Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tank podcast with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. This week, we have the Young Scientist Exhibition event happening in Dublin and our editor, Niall Kitson, has been spending an entire day exploring and meeting some very interesting people. If it's January then, of course, that means it's time for the BT Young Scientist and Technology Exhibition. So I've come here to the RDS to do a quick whistle-stop tour of the technology category. So let's see what's going on. My name is Roy O'Leary. I'm a student in Kinsale Community School and I'm from Bansfiddle. My project is String Save, a new string instrument design and development. So I guess to sort of paint a picture of it, I mean, as a guitar player, I've had the unfortunate experience of having strings break on me every so often, and it can be quite, by, part, by turns, painful and annoying. So this is sort of a problem that you've applied a, a little bit of attention to. So tell me a little bit about, um, about what's happening around me. Well, basically, what I'm trying to do is create a new tuning peg, which will slip just before the failure load. This would help um, very dearly, as just in 2016, there's, there was a schoolboy in California who got struck in the eye by a tuning peg. Even though this is a violin, this works for nearly every, this is the same, same thing for every, nearly every same string instrument. So, um, in putting this together, you've taken a, a little bit of uh, inspiration from um, your other hobby. So, tell me about that. Oh, yes. The final concept for my, for my peg was from my, fish, my hobby of fishing. There's two springs on either side. They put pressure onto the putty. The more, the more pressure there, there is on the putty, the harder, the more force it takes to, 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 uh, for, the thing, for the string to, to, to slip. So I guess sir, the, um, the overall goal, I suppose, is to come up with something that will make your strings last longer. Yes, and also to just uh, stop injury, cons- to stop these all these injuries, and especially since when you're playing the guitar, it can be pretty close to your face, and this is even more concerning for violinists who always have it right up against their face. My name is Liam O'Mara, I'm from Castletroy College, and my project is called Hellmate, a concussion monitoring device. So concussion is something that's in the news an awful lot lately in contact sports. Uh, I think it's interesting that you brought it into hurling, so uh, do, you must have a personal connection to the sport. Uh, yeah, I had a minor knock and my coach told me to play on, but I didn't really want to. And um, I developed a vo- device that would say if you get a concussion, HI needed, you need to come off, so the coach wouldn't tell you to play on. So part of the things with uh, HIA is very often as you hear that athletes will fudge their results or they'll, they'll fudge their cog tests as their baseline at the start, if you will. So you're using some very interesting technologies here in terms of sensors and algorithms. So tell me how they all blend together. Uh, so first, you, um, the Arduino, um, which is programmed to get the accelerometer readings. And the accelerometer readings are, are converted into Gs. And uh, I found out that 95 Gs is a concussion. So um, 
If it's greater than 95 Gs, it will obviously be a concussion. And so what sort of symptoms are, are you looking at? I mean, and I guess, sort of how does this merge into the hardware you've developed? I mean, have you been able to sort of recognize that actually, yes, my, my device is really accurate because I assumed that I'd see these sort of symptoms in somebody? Yeah, well, I interviewed Limerick Senior Hurling players and I found that 71% of them had a concussion and played on. And I did test my device uh, to see if the accelerometer could measure concussion, and it did. And how have you found players um, receiving the device? Are, are people going, yeah, this is something I want to have in my helmet as standard? Uh, yeah, well, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big um, talking point in, in uh, sport, and I think it should be implemented in the, in the hurling. So my name is Rona Milan. I'm from Desmond College, Newcastle West County, Limerick, and my project's the name of my project is called Scrum Developer. Okay, so having a look at it, it's uh, okay, fair enough. It's Scrum, it's rugby, and uh, one of the things that I'm looking at here is a is a Scrum machine. So tell me a little bit about how your project works. So my bag is to have for underage players because Scrum machines are too heavy and too 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 big for uh, young players to use. The my device is to get them to have proper scrummaging techniques to, uh, so they can uh, prevent injuries possibly in the future. The, 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 there's, no, there's no product similar to mine that, are, is, that can assist players with their, with their technique and their training, on the training pitch because there, there is, no, there is no, nothing available at the moment. So there are sensors actually embedded in the bag that could also help the coach Coach know how hard the players are pushing on the bag to give the coach feedback what is occurring. There's also an extra feature where mirrors are attached to a strap where they would, they would help the, the players know themselves what, what they are doing in scrum so have their head, head aligned head up and their back aligned properly. They're so you're looking at sort of force and you're looking at body position. Yes, that's what I'm looking at. So the positions, the young players do not exactly know the positions. They haven't really practiced. They can't really practice it during the rugby pitches. So I, I try and achieve, the, try to achieve to have to make the scrummaging safer for younger players. And uh, what kind of feedback have you gotten so far? So I've gotten good feedback from a local rugby club in Newcastle West. I've, in Young Scientist, Stephen, I got lots of feedback to say this project was excellent and they nearly like it for the club. And they, although, I haven't, I'm, although I'm not selling the product, project at the moment, I had many requests to actually uh, see what, what, what clubs would like it and what I might, might possibly do in the future. My name is Sarah Kate Sweeney. I'm from Skullvergon Small in County Cork in Blarney. And my project is called The Imitation Game. So, uh, of course, a direct reference to the movie and, of course, Alan Turing. So um, tell us a little bit about your project and the idea behind it. Well, uh, The Imitation Game is actually a test devised by Alan Turing uh, designed to determine whether or not a machine is truly intelligent. And it's intelligent if it can trick a human into thinking that it is also human. Um, So I called my project after The Imitation Game um, because the goal of the project is to create a chatbot capable of winning it. Now, no one has ever actually won The Imitation Game before, as in been able to convince the magic number of 30% that it is um, a human. However, I just want to see how close I can get and how difficult it is. And how difficult have you found it so far? Have you managed to cut a few people into thinking they're uh, they're talking to a real human? Not even close. It's extremely difficult. Uh, the route I took was I actually started using neural networks. So neural networks are deep learning, machine learning algorithms, sorry, based on the brain. Um, so... Um, 
it's it works the same as the brain in that you have neurons and you have synapses um, and it learns just as a human does really the best way I can explain it is that it's almost like a baby learning its first language you know when it's born it knows absolutely nothing about languages and therefore we'd say that the weights which are the numbers in the synapses and the biases which is our numbers in uh, the neurons are all set to random numbers so it's, it's pretty useless it doesn't do anything and it listens to the people around it speaking and eventually it starts babbling and that's when we say it's in training so my robot at the moment is in training and it, it's babbling out it's completely rubbish and then eventually with enough training data it starts to learn its first word and then another and another and it gets better over time and um, that's exactly how neural networks work and they could take years to train just as a human does um, and that's my problem really it's it's the training um, I have a thousand questions and answers based on the life and times of Alan Turing in an attempt to make an Alan Turing bot however um, you need about six million and where am I going to get six million questions and answers so my real problem here is data that's the difficulty it's data um so I'm actually amazed with how well it is compared like considering how little I have compared to what I need um it, it actually it works surprisingly well I mean it sometimes it actually gets the, the question right you know um it's it's really it's kind of amazing as to how well it works I mean um Many people have referred to the unreasonable effectiveness of recurrent neural networks. Like, even the people who created neural networks are amazed by how well they work. And no one really knows why they work so well, but they do. And everyone's using them for all different kinds of applications now. And it's really, really an amazing field, and it's a really exciting time to be in this field. So, my name is Emma, and I'm from Jesus and Mary College, Our Ladies Grove in Goatstown, Dublin. And my, proje my project is to do with VPNs and having one in every home. Okay, so we're all fans of virtual private networks, perhaps for accessing things that we may maybe we shouldn't across geographical borders. So why do we want one inside every home, just as a matter of course? So... Recently, cybersecurity has been a bigger issue than ever, not just for coders and programmers, but for everybody that uses the internet. Uh, a VPN um, is a virtual private network that allows you to connect to a private network when you're on a public network, if you're in an airport or shopping center, for example. Uh, many businesses have incorporated and invested heavily in VPNs. However, for the average home user, this, due to the cost factor, it could be too expensive expensive for them to set up VPNs. So I've made a VPN out of a Raspberry Pi and a Raspberry Pi is just a basic computer it's a card sized basic computer and can be programmed to do whatever a computer can do it's a very cheap about 30 euro and there are no additional costs other than the materials that you need so you on your device will send some information to the internet as you would but with the VPN it now goes through an encrypted tunnel and it all your information is encrypted and it reaches the VPN and the VPN processes the information. If it is needed to go to the internet, the VPN then decrypts the information and sends it to the internet. The internet then processes the information and sees what needs to be done with it. On the way back, the internet sends information back to the VPN, which the VPN then encrypts, sends it back through this, this tunnel and is decrypted for us users to be able to understand and read easily. So my name is Andrew Nash, I'm from Cloistermere Rail Namara, Crosshaven, County Cork, and the title of my project is Machine Learning and the Treatment of Molar Cancer. Okay, so AI uh, applied to healthcare isn't something I'm 
particularly familiar with. So brief me on your on your project and what you sought to get out of it. So it, the aim of it is to aid in the follow-up treatment of a cancer known as gestational trophoblastic disease or molar pregnancy cancer. So it is effectively a tumour that forms in the uterus of a woman who thinks she's experiencing pregnancy, but in reality is actually experiencing a form of cancer. So this is usually removed through surgery, but after surgery, clinicians have to make, be carefully sure that the tumour does not recur and that the, can, the patient does not experience a malignant change. So to do this, they monitor a level of a hormone known as human chorionic gonadotropin, or HCG. So the aim of my project was to aid clinicians in monitoring this hormone. So like currently, when they're monitoring it, especially early on in the follow-up treatment, it's very difficult for them to be able to tell the patient how long their follow-up treatment will last and how likely it is that the patient will require chemotherapy. So the aim of my project was to use artificial intelligence-based techniques that would allow the clinicians to do both these things by predicting future HCG levels and then being able to make decisions based on those. And when you're dealing with sort of a, a medical project, you're very much relying on sort of medical professionals and patients yes, for absolutely. feedback. Um, how did you find people embrace the project? Um, so actually, I didn't actually, I was, had no contact with patients whatsoever. I had no information about the personal details. Um, so data was provided by Dr. Sabine Tuberka from the Computer Science Department of UCC. So for, to protect the patient's identities, and since I had no need for any information about them, all I had was their HCG levels. So for, just to keep kind of the whole project ethical. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Hi, my name is Mary Sheen. I'm from Closh Cullum in Ballinghalle, County Cork. The title of my project is Grind No More, Reducing the Incidence of Bruxism, which is too grinding. So, uh, yes, we're all, we all know somebody that suffers or has experienced teeth grinding at some stage in their lives. So tell us a little bit about your project and how you look to solve the problem. So I analysed the current solutions of bruxism and I found that most, um, most treatments don't provide um, both a treatment method along with a detection method for bruxism. So I gathered together some components for a device that I'm going to make in the future. Um, these components consist of a detection um, electromyography sensor which is placed on the masseter muscle which is um, on the jaw. So this, um, this uh, detects uh, muscle activity. So I'm using this in conjunction with uh, sound frequency measurements. So I measured bruxism um, on a spectrum analyzer and I found that the frequency of it is 1000 to 1500 hertz. So once the EMG device sends a message to an, um, a mobile application on your phone, if the frequency of the noise that is found um, is between 1000 and 1500 hertz, it's bruxism. So then a treatment can be prompted and the treatment solution that I've planned to use is sound therapy which is known to mitigate uh, dental problems including bruxism um, combined with low voltage electrodes um, placed on the toe as the toe um, is known to be an area that affects the jaw, teeth and gums in a positive way by using reflexology methods. Um, my name is Hayley Brady from Pubble School Nostalgia and my project is uh, the development of an interactive and tactile lesson program for students with autism spectrum disorder using uh, small modular robotic toys called Cubelets. Okay, and you've got sort of a, an interesting little display here. So I guess just explain to me how you're, how you're using robots. 
Uh, well, we're using the robots uh, to kind of make the classes more fun for these students. So to inadvertently teach them coping mechanisms and uh, communication skills in classes. And uh, how many um, people have you been working with in your sample? Uh, we've had three students for five classes so far. Um, the only issue is we had to talk to their parents individually, so I would like to have more, but two so far. Sure. And what has the reaction been like so far? The reaction's been brilliant. Like, I didn't imagine it could have gone better. Uh, the students loved the classes. They performed really, really well. They were so much more confident in their regular classes. They didn't tend to do well. They didn't tend to do well in mainstream classes. They didn't test well. And in these classes, they were really confident. Their independence was really, really good. They communicated with each other well, and they were able to do all the tasks that they were given. So it was really good. And do you see sort of a, a long-term strategy involving cubelets, or, or is this going to be the end of the project? Can you see them being kept on? Yeah, so uh, in the future I want to turn this into a fully fedged class so that they can have it for the whole year and uh, really work on their own individual needs as, as pupils and as people with autism. Hi, I'm Nicola. Hi, I'm Olivier. Hi, I'm Sean. And we are from Connacht Community College in Cork. Our project is a Sun Multisystem Console. So we all know uh, not all games consoles are created equal, but um, yours sort of is. So tell me a little bit about... Uh, what Sun actually does? Well, our console is multifunctional and multi-system, so it holds multiple systems at once. It's not only gaming systems like uh, PlayStation 1 or Nintendo, but also systems like OpenElect that can run YouTube and systems like Raspbian, which is a distribution of Linux that can browse the web and use Word and stuff like that. So in selecting which systems to work with, was there a, a hierarchy you had an offer? Were there, were there um, certain ones that you felt you, you had to go for, or was it very much just sort of a, this is what we want to work on? It was more of, this is what we want to work on. There was nothing we had to choose, except probably for RetroPie, which is the main operating system for the retro games, because that was part of our project. We kind of had to go with that. There was nothing else like that out there. Everything else, like Ubuntu... Um, Raspbian or OpenELEC, we chose that ourselves. Those are the other operating systems. And uh, how long was the development time behind? Because it's, it's quite interesting bringing together sort of console games but also managing it through Linux. So how long did it, did it take to develop from beginning to end? Well, the ideas began developing in late September and then construction began in late November and that took about three weeks for the construction and technology parts. And how has the reaction been so far? The reaction has been great, actually. Everyone seems to really like it. Especially the younger people, but not only. The older people seem kind of nostalgic about it. We first tested it, as in shown it, in our school, and everyone said that they love it. And here we seem to get a lot of attention, and people really seem to like it, and they come to play it. I suppose having the, the nice sort of wooden box, I guess it makes it very uh, distinctive looking as well. Yes, I'd say so. We wanted to make the case look like a retro TV because of the retro games. Hi, um, my name's Hannah Morrissey. And, yeah. Hi, my name's Emma Gallagher. Um, we're from Colossian Terbata in Banded in Cork. Um, our project is called Media Photographic Adaptation of Criminals. And our hypothesis was that the media can influence people's opinions on whether someone is perceived to be a criminal or not by altering a photo. I think it's a very common thing, all right, that people have a look at two pictures side by side, and depending on the lighting even, 
it can really affect how people perceive uh, somebody. So t- tell me a little bit about what sort of experiments you're carrying out to prove your point. So we performed two surveys, one with original photos and one with edited photos. So there was um, an obvious difference between the two of people who perceived them to be friendly and that decreased for many when once the image was edited. So tell me a little bit about the fake news element. Um, well, fake news is, is in our society a lot and we thought that the media of altering photos was had a link to fake news so we researched Donald Trump which is an obvious um, uh, area in fake news and he has more than he's tweeted about fake news more than 150 times and we also researched War of the Worlds a radio drama in America where they pretended to the, there was an alien invasion and people there was people thought it was real and they panicked so yeah were you surprised at how little it took for people to uh, have their minds changed about someone? Yeah, it was very astonishing just to see that by altering a single image, um, their opinions of the person could change so drastically. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's TechCentral.ie. Lastly today, I've managed to snag about five minutes with uh, the guest of honour at this year's BT Young Scientist exhibition, uh, Nora Patton, or um, the girl in the galaxy, as she has been christened uh, over the last few days. Um, what is, what is, I guess, not so much your claim to fame, but your plan? So my plan is to become Ireland's first person in space. Um, and I suppose this is a journey I've set out on since I was 11 and I got to go and visit NASA over in Cleveland. And since then, I have really progressed my career right down that space road. Uh, I studied aeronautical engineering in college. I did my PhD in aerodynamics. Um, and now I work at the International Space University. Um, so it, it's about looking at the opportunities that are there and seeing how you can go down that road. I think Ireland's position in the space industry is quite interesting at the moment in that we're sort of very much from the outside looking in, looking at what what can Ireland add to something that's already going on there. So where do you see, um, I don't want to say a, a, a fleet of astronauts, if you will, but, but how do you see Ireland fitting into that? Do you see Ireland developing sort of um, a squad of their own astronauts to, to fit in? Do you think this is going to go down the NASA route or the SpaceX route? So, um, great question in terms of how Ireland fits into the overall uh, space economy. Um, just, you know, when you, when you look at it now, it's really, pro- the, the whole area of commercial space is absolutely progressing. Um, and you have companies in Ireland that are now, they're not just getting involved in the European Space Agency, uh, they're getting private investment. Um, so, for example, you have uh, Limerick-based Aralis. Um, they have got um, I- investment from uh, Asia, you know, up to 50 million of an investment. Um, so it, it, you can see like niches like that really starting to evolve here. And I think what we need to look at is really having this national strategy for space in Ireland um, because you have a number of different companies uh, working on a number of different 
space related topics but I think in having the likes of a space agency or a space office that will look at the national strategy for Ireland and space that can be massive like just hugely beneficial and um, you know global space economy 330 billion dollars it's a huge economy and I think we need to look at Ireland and say right where are we best uh, strategically fitting to, 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 to progress. Yeah, I think it's something Ireland's particularly good at is managing the innovation end of things while other countries are particularly good at the, the heavy lifting and the, and the hardware. So you reckon this is very much where Ireland is going to fit in? Oh, absolutely. And like, I mean, you know, we're part of the European Space Agency. There's a number of different uh, companies, you know, 60 plus companies involved in space-related projects. So I guess it's just to look at that national strategy and see, you know, what kind of infrastructure can we put in place in Ireland to incentivise companies to look at how they can spin in current technology into the space sector. And, you know, a lot of people mightn't even know that some of the technology that they're working on is applicable to space. So it's really just that awareness and to have um, you know, an organisation there like Enterprise Ireland is doing now to look at companies and look at space and how you can merge the two together. I think you're in a very interesting position at the moment in that you know, you're one part ambassador for the space industry internationally, one part you know, uh, role model for women in STEM and um, sort of, I, I guess, a, another part, I, a dreamer, I suppose it's still <laughs> fair to say. Um, so when we're looking at STEM, um, particularly the role of um, getting women and girls more involved in STEM at the academic and the industrial level, how is your experience measuring up so far? So, so far, Do you still find the sciences are a, a boys' club or is it just women just aren't looking in that area in the way that they should? It's a real that's it's a really difficult one to answer to be honest like I mean like I had I had such a great experience in studying in engineering in college um I've worked in Boeing and in Bell Labs here in Dublin and I don't I don't know why you know even when I went back to my old secondary school there's very few girls taking up physics still um even though they know about me and they know the path that I've taken so I don't I don't know to be honest um I think like hopefully if we can keep communicating the opportunities that STEM brings in studying STEM in college um, and also if we can communicate better you know what these jobs actually are um, maybe there's a disconnect there between what they perceive and what the actual reality is of actually working as an engineer or as a researcher you know maybe that's part of it so I think that's the the fantastic thing about something like the BT Young Scientist and Technology Exhibition they're getting hands on learning that you just don't get out of a book Um, and those types of things are really essential in STEM Um, so hopefully you know getting them involved in programs like this will open up new opportunities for them yeah it is a, I, I think when you look around at some of the entries today I mean the, the standard and the willingness to engage in so many disciplines I think is really heartening um, which projects have stood out for you I, yeah, exactly like you say, there's such a variety of um, projects, everything from where they've used questionnaires, where they've used coding, where they've built things, like a huge range of things that they've looked at. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I, I had a look at the space projects that were here, um, and one uh, girl I was talking to, she's looked at uh, exoplanets and how we might use machine learning to predict uh, exoplanets, and I thought that was a really interesting 
uh, project just from my own perspective because it's space related and that um, but as I say there's a whole range of different projects looking at the relationship between female and male role models and how they impact students um, so the, I, I don't know I think there's a there's such a variety and such um, amazing projects there it's hard to pick just one and that was our editor Niall Kitson spending the day at the Young Scientist Exhibition which is happening all this week that's it for our show for this week remember if you want to get information on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates daily newsletters and more you can visit our website at techcentral.ie and of course make sure you listen to us again next week online or on Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra until next week for myself Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson thanks for listening have a great weekend Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.